Remember them seven C's I was talking about that were parted? We got all seven of them. Trouble, turn six. <laughs> oh, God. What the fuck? Welcome to the Big Motor Small Blade Podcast. I'm Buddy Bully. And I'm Seth Dolby. And we are back from Chicago. We did not drown. We did not get waterboarded. Um, are you we sure there. about that <laughs> okay we may have gotten waterboarded um but we are alive to see shane van gisbergen if that's so hard to say for some people win his one and only cup start so far uh we'll talk about that we'll talk about everything chicago our experience fan experience for everyone else just all, all the all the bells and whistles french fries and frosties from this weekend um and then we'll talk about yeah basically all i just said so yeah let's just start yeah that that whole waterboarding comment i really don't i don't know if that's accurate we definitely definitely i've never been waterboarded so i don't know well okay so i grew up being friends with ryan not that ryan not ryan poop pants a different ryan and uh no not that ryan poop pants and uh so yeah i have been waterboarded before (laughs) holy shit (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) we grew up weird yeah you need to talk no no i'm good okay all right well i just gotta okay anyway um all right so before we get into chicago you went to caraway i did this weekend feels like a millennia ago at this point is that because we were in millennium park no no it's because it was a week ago okay and my sense Um, of time is poor yeah um so you went to see go see old kyle run um he didn't fare too well um, he no. did better than the uh, the KHI car. Uh, Lane Riggs got DQ'd. That was there's a lot of DQ. Carson Quapel got DQ'd the other day. Did he? Yeah. And they're strict over there. Yeah, I, I I think it's um I think it's almost too strict. I think. I mean, I don't know. I think I think the problem is when you get into the lower ranks is discouraging people from spending too much money that and i think there's not you're not getting consistent officials there too so it comes down to a point of view and i i don't know i don't think it's a good look for short track racing because it seems like every other week someone's getting dq'd from somewhere and i don't know yeah i mean i guess it seems like it happens at snowball derby every other year that is yeah that's true um i don't know just don't push as much i don't know (laughs) i don't know what to say i i guess yeah yeah but what does takuma sato say no attack no chance yeah i don't know that that applies but i'm i'm not or just get sneakier about it do the old chad canals or something i was caraway as a facility it was pretty good it was fairly comfortable um my severe lack of ass is becoming a problem 
uh, as far as aluminum bleachers go. I, I need All to right. do more squats or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, they had that, that new grandstand up in turn one and it was really nice. You could see the whole, you, you could see really well, you get a re- you got a really good idea of the banking on the front stretch, which was pretty cool. I mean, it was very banked, <laughs> uh, more than I anticipated. Um, yeah, the track was fun, uh, to watch at least, uh, definitely, definitely a lot of, definitely a lot of tire fall off, which made me realize that Kyle Larson was going to have trouble <laughs> before it even started. But uh, yes. yeah, I had fun. Two-time had... Wilkesboro winner, Kyle Larson. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Kyle's an enigma when it comes to to uh, tire wear tracks. Yeah. So he either you runs too. like he normally does or he goes out and Wilkesboro's the field. So I really don't, I don't know anymore with Kyle. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I I watched a little bit of that race, but I don't pay for flow. So um, I uh, I only saw a little bit of it. But I mean, it looked it looked fun. Caraway seems like a cool track. Um, Seems like there's a lot of hype around it. Jeremy Mayfield was in the race for like a minute and a half. Yeah, for Um, a whole 13 laps. He was running so slow. I hope so. I assume something was broke, but I don't know how it happened. Um, But the 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 highlight of the night not the highlight but the the funny highlight of the night was the legends car race which got cut short we yeah ran, we're, we're buying a legend car aren't we at by some weird, point by, by weird, you mean me yeah um at at some point i would love to because they look like a whole lot of fun um but yeah we did not complete a 25 lap feature because everybody wrecked all the time and it was kind of hysterical some kid knocked the wall down so hard and turned four that he ripped the right uh right rear off of it i think didn't um, didn't that like scare the hell out of some kid you were sitting next to yeah so there was a there was a kid behind me they were talking about so i i learned because he was talking to his dad and whoever that he was 10 years old and someone was like oh that's about how old keelan harvick is and kid was like what I want to get one of those right now, you know, not realizing that, you know, it's expensive. And then that kid knocked the wheel off the car and he was like, okay, maybe not. I I think I might be okay. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Damn. All right. And with that, we'll we'll go on to Chicago. Um, That kid did not have that dog in him, apparently. (laughs) No, no. Um, Who did have that dog in him? Shane Van Gisbergen had that Taz in him, bro. Yeah. Had that had that Tasmanian devil deep inside him, and he let it out on the whole fucking field. Um, uh, yeah, uh, the concept of bringing the race cars to the people is is working pretty well. Um, it worked in L.A., um, despite what most people think, um, and it largely, for the most part, worked in Chicago, um, despite you know torrential downpours and lightning mcqueen wreaking havoc on the whole city um i don't know man it just seems like to me the whole city knew one knew we were here and in a positive way it seemed like there was a lot of advertisement and a lot and it was because of that that everyone knew we were there it's because we promoted the damn race yeah and a wild concept i know if we promote the race people will know we're there (laughs) um and want to be interested um but 
I, yeah, I mean, it was, I don't know. It just seemed like that worked. Like, I mean, the whole thing was set up incredibly well. It taking place at, at, uh, Grant Park was fantastic. Um, the stage area was set up really well when it wasn't flooded, um, yeah. which wasn't anything any anyone planning could have done about that. Um, I still think they probably should have tried to get the Miranda Lambert concert in. Maybe it's just because they didn't want to destroy that field, I, I imagine. Um, but probably still should have tried. Uh, but that's that's on a lot of that was on Chicago and just and I understand it to some extent. I'm not really, I'm not even trying to really rip on Chicago. I don't think they, I don't well, think anything they did. Let's talk was... about it. Let's get the negative out of the way first. Okay. Um, obviously, lightning on Saturday. Everything was going great. Everything was going swimmingly. Like we got there and I, th- I mean, we just kept saying, holy shit, this is amazing what they did. I mean, because I mean, everyone everything went so smooth you know you didn't even you had to go through security but you didn't have to ticket have a ticket and you could go right up to the fence and look at the open air garage they had um and watch the guys work on the cup cars um they had a midway set up for for fans that didn't have tickets that was really cool um and then once you got into the track obviously you had buckingham fountain you know just lots lots of great scenery and then you got down the track and you could, I know this was a worry for you for sure, but you could see a lot of the track, a lot more of the track than we thought. Yeah. Um, and you, you talk to people and it's like everyone you talk to, hardly any of them had been to a race before and all of them were having a fucking blast. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and it just it, it really sucks because obviously the Xfinity race starts, lightning delay happens, and that kind of just takes the wind out of the sails for the entire what ended up being the entire weekend up until the cup race started, but definitely for the rest of that day. Yeah, and I mean you and I you and I brought a bunch of people to the racetrack for their first time um, yeah. just in the past couple of years genuinely so if you've never if you if you go to races all the time you've never brought a new fan do it like do whatever you have to do to get it done kidnap somebody i'm kidding be a good race fan be a good race fan, dude genuinely there's nothing like it the first time someone sees them go around the track at at you know in full anger it's crazy like their face lights up most yeah. of the time like that's everyone all my mom kept talking about was yeah. the smile on people's faces yeah i mean there. you just you look over and someone's like oh my god that was insane and all yeah. they saw was a car go by which to me is like normal you're numb but, to it yeah i mean so sunday when kyle bush um slid into the into the tire barrier on lap three i heard a few people over to over us go or someone i heard next to us said uh oh that was scary that was an actual car accident right in front of us <laughs> and i was just like i hadn't even yeah. thought about it that yeah, way I, dude yeah you don't <laughs> like, you don't think about it you i feel like we kind of take, take things for granted too like going to the racetrack and how really amazing it is the things that are going on around us but it, it makes you appreciate 
when things are truly done right. And that's, I think that's the opinion that a lot of people shared. And I know we did on Saturday was they, they did this right. They, I was above and beyond what I thought they were, what it was, I thought it was going to be like. Um, but then the lightning delay happens. Um, and we had, um, what's her, uh, what did I call her? Um, hold on hold on park ranger karen that's who i called her <laughs> um this this lady running around basically as soon as the really the lightning delay started like it only they just come down pit road and she was like race is canceled go home everybody trying to just usher people out of there and you know apparently that was kind of going on throughout the entire facility which was unfortunate um and obviously everyone's heard the the rumors of you know not not rumors but the the opinion of the mayor and some people there that didn't want the race there and it was a shame because they were you know obviously it ended up happening we didn't race did end up getting postponed until the next day and then ultimately canceled um but it was just unfortunate to have just a couple people kind of ruin a lot of a lot of people's fun time that they were having yeah i mean the whole ultimately uh, i get the policy i understand but it's kind of absurd really when you think about it um there are so many majorly tall buildings in that area that the possibility of lightning striking people is incredibly low and i i understand need to stop the race obviously but i don't fully understand the need to completely evacuate and the policy of not allowing anything to happen until the threat of lightning is extinguished that's i've never heard of that i don't know if that's a thing in most cities i i've never heard of it um but yeah i don't know um yeah i feel like they caught it a little bit early um but uh and i don't think that's not on nascar i think it's largely the city um and why that is i don't know um but it is what it is um there are a lot of people i felt bad you know obviously people that wanted to see the chain smokers and some of the other concerts it sucks because some of them only came for that but also i kind of look at it like this any concert is going to get canceled because of lightning. I've, I've experienced that before. So, I mean, it's kind of just one of those things. Um, and then we get to Sunday and NASCAR tried their dandest to, to get that Xfinity race in. Um, they were trying, they had drivers in their cars, drivers sitting in the cars for a while. And it was just a fucking monsoon dude. Like, I mean, they end up delaying. There was lightning. They end up delaying the gates opening. It was just, it was God. It was just that was, that was the only part of the weekend that I looked at. And I was like, that was kind of a fucking shit show, because it's like they're just the whole real, really the whole rain weather delay situation was really frustrating. Because you didn't, unless you had Twitter, which some people are at there, had the rate limit thing 
happening to them, you couldn't, there was not a whole lot of communication from anyone at the actual track to tell us what to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think if, if you're going to give NASCAR any shit for anything that happened, I think communication was, is really the only one you can, you can give them. Cause I mean, we were just sitting out there in the pouring, pouring rain for hours on end and had basically no updates. Yeah. We're just sitting there assuming we're not running, but not going to leave because we might. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Obviously we ended up running, so I'm glad we stayed, but it's like, well, yeah, I just meant, yeah. And, but the Xfinity race, it just, it felt like there was a very valiant effort put in at first, and then it seems like they kind of just gave up. And then obviously they cut the race short. Uh, we didn't get to halfway. And honestly, it's kind of fucking unacceptable. Like, I mean, I would have taken them running two pace laps and calling it. That's fine. But except in rare instances, that's fine. I, I get it. You built in that clause. But also, like, for the love of God, dude, like, literally just have some sort of integrity with the rules that you harp on and that we go through every week because you're opening Pandora's box if if you do this. I mean, it could happen, you know, is it going to happen anywhere else? No, there's unforeseen circumstances with the city and, you know, the challenges of, you know, not knowing if we're going to be able to come back Monday and run the Xfinity race. But damn, dude, I mean, just you got to, you got to, you I don't know. The moment you start bending your rules for any event is the moment you start bending the rules for every event. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Hell, um, run the damn thing. Run the completion of it at the fucking Roval. I don't care. Like, just, like, just get, I mean, whatever you got to do, run two laps under caution. Do whatever you got to do to get to halfway. You are two laps away. Granted, it would have been the same outcome, but at least you say, okay, we're sticking to our guns, sticking to our rules, and this race is official. I'll be honest. I think I am – my issue with it is completely opposite of yours. My my issue is, uh, from the competitive side, is a bunch of guys when – a bunch – didn't a few guys come down and pit right after the caution came out? I have – I don't don't know. I I I think – I think they did. So my issue is, is you pit there because you know it's not official yet. And if I'm wrong, then I apologize, but I'm pretty sure that happened. And you pit there because you know the race is not official. And then you wait around, you spend a bunch of money staying there the the extra night, and you come back and are told, oh, yeah, never mind, the race is over. I don't like that i feel like if you're gonna do that you kind of need to put the running order back the way it was that's just me um again yeah. that's not in the rule book either but we've already bent the rules so i that that's the part i don't like i don't like them awarding a playoff point for stage two um 
like again yeah. I, i'm kind of fine with them cutting the race short because i genuinely don't know if there was a better option like i don't i don't think running the extra two laps under yellow makes a difference to me at least especially with how much standing water was there you could have tore up some equipment for literally nothing um well, and, even, I mean, they had to drive the cars back to the garage anyway. That, that's true. You, yeah. That's true. But when you finally make that decision, yeah, it was one, that was the lightest rain we saw until the cup race started. Um, just roll them around their caution for two laps. Like, do like do what you got to do. Because at the end of the day, we could have gotten, might not have could have gotten the whole thing in. We could have at least made an attempt to restart the Xfinity race at some point and they, it just they tried for a while but I don't know I just maybe I'm maybe I'm barking up maybe I'm just an old man yelling at the sky but yeah even, I, to, even to get get cars on track and to show people race cars for that I mean technically they did that since they had to drive them back to the garage technically I guess I mean, that's a big technicality, but I, I don't know. I don't feel as strongly about this because it wasn't really their fault. Like the lightning clock was basically expiring when they canceled it for the Saturday. Yeah. Um, and then at that point, they kind of probably felt like, especially since we saw how long it took the Xfinity teams to break down since they had to carry their stuff all the way down. Yeah. Um, uh, whatever that road is down turn turn one to turn two so that whole process took a long time and we were still hoping to get the cup race in at the scheduled start time at that point so i kind of i kind of get it and at that point coming back monday was not going to be financially viable for the teams so i totally that understand was, it was yeah, it was pretty it was not an option like it yeah. was an option but it, it really was not an it, option. it was yeah it was not much of an option yeah so um, i i ultimately i don't love it but i don't i understand yeah i mean ultimately it's not that big of a deal but it it's not that big of a deal if this is the only time it happens but if it if it starts becoming not rare instances then it's it's going to be a problem um with that being said eventually we did um get to the cup race um that was the most miserable i've ever been at a racetrack yep. waiting and waiting and what the just the so like just the physical aspect of it because we were cold and we were wet we were a bunch of we were a bunch of wet dogs in Alaska in December out there and just stressed and like worried that we're not going to get this race in. And it's like, we had a flight on Monday. So it's like, we probably couldn't stay. Um, that's a lie. We definitely would have figured out a way to stay. But, <laughs> um, it would have been. Yeah. Uh, God, that was miserable. Yeah. Agreed. Um, uh, I was, I was regretting every decision that led me to that moment. It's like, cause I was, <laughs> I, on, could tell. Yeah, I, I could was tell. on the fence about going to Chicago up until about two weeks beforehand. And that entire week, for whatever reason, I was just like, I really want to do it. I don't even know why I don't, 
Well, I know why. There's, I don't know why either. Well, I had I had just worries about getting there and it not being like not being able to see basically anything and um, a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, you read Reddit too much. I did read Reddit too much. Yeah, that's that's totally on me. But, um, but anyway, I had a lot of fun on Saturday until it happened, and then I'm sitting there in the pouring rain. In the why we get the best seat, the, the best spot in GA minimum. Yeah. It might be the best spot in the house. I don't know, but and then the possibility just keeps going and going and going of not being able to see the race at all. And I'm like, this, yeah. this sucks this is lame <laughs> dude it went from saturday just being the highest of highs literally one of the coolest things i've ever experienced in my life to just the just, just heartbreak for for ourselves for everyone involved for nascar i mean how like nascar has the worst luck when it comes to shit like this and it was just it was so devastating waiting there and waiting and waiting and it it's it, i mean obviously we heard it was like you know 15 minutes you know if they wouldn't have been able to get going 15 minutes later they would have caught it so that that was tough but we did see it it did, did happen and it was the most watched nascar race in the past six years it was the best road race with the next gen car and like we didn't overcomplicate the track design, which I think both of us were critics of the design of the track. And I think it actually played in the, into the racing products hands, not overcomplicating the racetrack and keeping it relatively simple. Cause you didn't need to, you had like every aspect you could want. You had, you know, changes in surfaces, you had elevation changes, you had all of the things that, give character to a racetrack and produce, you know, good racing. And God bless. They were wheeling it, dude. I mean, that was one of the best displays of drivers at work. I've seen in years. If it may be ever like, yeah. I don't know, like this, it's like the Darlington of road courses is what I'm calling this. <laughs> I mean, is it not? <laughs> it, it, yeah. If you I look mean, at that driving that yeah. they had to do, does that where else do you see that yeah darlington Darlington. Yeah. yeah i have never been more happy to be wrong about something in my life because oh, yeah. like you said i was and we a lot of people I said were, last week this race was gonna suck yeah no we we said i i remember i said for for sure i said i'm really glad i'm going because i want to know if the event is a success despite the race and not have to find out via Twitter. And turns out the event was only a success because of the race and how great yeah. it was. Not through anybody's fault, but just yeah. circumstances. It was only a success because of how great the race was. And the track wound up being a, a great design. I mean, you had, what, five major passing zones or something. Yep. Five yep. major passing zones. The track was way wide enough oh um, yeah i was definitely concerned about that but we get there and oh it's it's wide it's really wide plenty, plenty fine yeah yeah and yeah and it did not turn into a shit show and there are yeah. a couple good reasons for that that we will we will talk about here in a minute single file fucking restarts talk yes. about it right now <laughs> 
Yeah, we will. <laughs> we ran a proper road race for the first time in NASCAR history, it seems like. <laughs> or at least recent history. Yeah, at least recent we history, yeah. a restart zone that played in the hands of bracing product and, you know, legitimacy and integrity of a motor race. We had local yellows, and we had single-file restarts. Guys had to focus on racing the racetrack instead of, like, just crashing into each other. They had to focus on catching fast guys like Shane Van Gisbergen and, you know, just driving the cars. Yeah, They didn't worry about, you know, running over the guy in front of them to gain a spot because they know they're going to get another green-white checkered or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was sitting there basically for a, a long time sitting there going, are we going to double file restart soon? Like the question I was asking was, oh, God, when is this race going to turn into a shit show? And they yeah. just never they never uh-huh. switched. And it greatly helped the racing product. And it did. And I can't stand going on Twitter and seeing I want double file restart. I didn't see that. I saw a lot of people saying, oh, I'm glad there. I still see a lot of it. Oh, really? Yeah. I, man, it just, I did, I never thought in a million years we'd go to Chicago for the street race and be saying we should use this as an example of how to run a race. Yeah. <laughs> Any race. Yeah. In NASCAR. I mean, especially road racing. Because we we ran it like a legitimate motor race that series around the world use to make sure they don't make the racing turn into a fucking clown show. And it proved it because this is one of the best, if not the best race of the year. Yeah, I mean, the the restart zone was phenomenal. And I mean, even then with the I mean, we ran in the Cup Series, we ran single file restarts. But in the Xfinity race, not that it got to a point where guys would go insane, but um they were running double file restarts there on the uh, i think three restarts we or three starts we did and the 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 restart zone being where it was helped control that too even with the yeah. double file restarts i don't think we need them but it still it still made a, a difference now would it have gotten could it have gotten now xfinity guys usually have a bit of a head on their shoulders compared to cup guys for some reason at a, the end of a road course race but um, I would have I would have liked to see that play out just to see where it would have stacked up, um, just to have a, a comparison. But yeah, I, I think this I think we can use this as the mold going forward. There's yeah, and, there's no reason we can't. And it kind of gave us restart zone and the the way we did things. Just it gave us options on like we could do double file restarts if we fixed the restart zone. Or we proved that single file restarts can work uh, or do work, which they never didn't. Yeah. But it just it, it everything went swimmingly as far as that goes. And going back to like the track design, it really just the the overall vent and how everything was going before obviously the weather. Uh Julie Geezy, I think that's how you pronounce her last name had way more trouble pronouncing her last name than Shane Van Gisbergen. Uh, she's like the Marcus Smith for like NASCAR racetracks. Like, I mean, she's put on 
she had spearheaded the the Daytona Rising thing, the Talladega renovation, Richmond, Phoenix, LA, like all these things. Ben Kennedy, obviously a big part of it. We saw Ben um just walk around amongst the amongst the common folk. Um and just like it gave this event gave off Wilkesboro vibes for me as far as like the 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 community the the people around it were just happy to be there and i think that's something that you know kind of gets lost or take for taken for granted at a lot of racetracks yeah so i mean i i guess i want to ask you've been at the three biggest i would say events of the year that aren't daytona so two of the ones especially where so realistically i want to compare like the coliseum and this and then i kind of want to throw wilkesboro in there but it's not it's not the same everyone pretty much at wilkesboro was already like diehard um yeah so i'm just um, i'm more curious about maybe the difference yeah. between like la and this so la and chicago very similar experiences and i think you can go back and listen to our la um episode and i said that's one of the most amazing experiences i've ever had at a racetrack and i think i i share the same um feelings about this um one just the amount of new fans that you know were there for the first time and enjoying the sport and i think people get caught up in what they enjoy like some people want to say oh well some people were just there for the concert some people were just there for this just there for that and it's like they're at a racetrack like yeah they might only be there for a certain reason but we're going to retain at least a chunk of those people and that's growing the sport because they're gonna tell their people tell their friends just like we do all the time they're gonna tell their friends and bring their friends and they're gonna come to the racetrack and want to come back and it's just going to grow the sport. And I think these are LA and Chicago are two, two examples of how to build the sport and how to target the demographic that been, we've been chasing. And we've tried it through all different avenues between the playoffs and the stages and whatnot, trying to attract these new fans and different, you know, things we've done in marketing and things like that. And all it took was bring the racetrack to the people and put on a good show. Wild concept. I know. Um, but I think if you, if you um, put those together, you build a fan base that goes to Wilkesboro and, has a blast and is that die, new diehard fan. Um, so we're building a generation that um, will get behind something like Wilkesboro. I'll put, put it like that, if that makes any sense. Now, comparing Chicago to Wilkesboro, they were very similar in the fact that, one, they're obviously both inaugural events. I wasn't at LA last year, but it just seemed like everyone there was just happy to be there not the la didn't but i didn't experience that as much i guess well no i can't even say that because i was i was amongst different groups of people in la i was i was working that event 
Um, so LA and Wilkesboro, it just seemed, it, it gave off community vibes. I think you saw a lot of, a large group of people that were in Chicago were from Chicago. Large group of people that went to Wilkesboro were from Wilkesboro. So I think, um, and you saw that there was a big community push behind it. Whereas LA, I feel like that was, you saw the typical race fans from all around. And then you did see, you know, a lot of people from LA, but it, it Wilkesboro and Chicago, they had um, this in common. If you were in the vicinity of the racetrack or the city that the track was in, you knew it was there. You 100% knew it was there, and that's that's the important thing. Mara, yeah, yeah. I was just I was just curious because if we're making if we're making this big push and it seems to be working, yeah. Um, I it it really opens up what we do with it because like we had 100%. said when we had talked about when we talked about um, L.A. I remember we were talking about moving it around or if we needed to and that's the one thing so this it obviously either way eventually this is going to get moved around somewhere yeah um <clears throat> i'm curious if if the plan also is to move around la i understand the coliseum itself is is a big draw to it but that again if the goal is to to bring the racetrack to the people then eventually you're going to have to move that one too there's plenty yeah. of stadiums we could do this in I think the key is you have to you have to do it for two, three, four, five years. Yeah. Um, because you have to build you have to build that fan base in that city and for that race. And you have to build it up enough to where they're willing to go to other races. And if you don't do that, then you take their race away and they don't go to other races. And then, you know, they were like, Okay, yeah, we did this for a couple of years, but we're not gonna go chase it. Whereas you you got to build that you got to build that fan base in that city in order to get them to branch out. Yeah. So I think yeah, I think that's important. Um, I don't think we need to change the street course every year. I don't think we need more than one. Let's be clear. This is an amazing race. We don't need to oversaturate it. Yeah. One one street race a year. Let's look forward to it. Let's make it a big event. Um, I think this has the the vibe around it and the vibe around the the drivers and the teams and the, the sponsorship activation, it gave off Daytona 500 vibes, in my opinion. And that's a huge deal. So I think a big thing this shows, too, is that this is probably the bit the most, I guess, European race that I think we've put on in a long, long time. Um. And that seems to be getting a big in just just in general in the United States, that seems to be getting a lot of people excited. Just that that idea. F1's big in, in America right now. Drive to survive. But still, F1's pretty big. Um, the World Cup, every every time it comes around, gets bigger. That's yeah. overseas primarily. Um, I think I think we can definitely look at at that kind of model for doing sporting events and maybe try and replicate it a little more maybe maybe this shows we don't need as many of these gimmicks we don't need to stop the race twice in the middle of it we don't necessarily need yeah. to reset the points 
five times a season. Um, just oh, a thought. Lord. Just a thought. I mean, yeah. it seems to, it seems to be working. Um, yeah, and you bring up European, um, and I, I didn't think about this until now. But do you think NASCAR strategically planned this Garage Fifty Six thing? around the fact that it would be just a month or so before Chicago. And it would bring those more eyes to NASCAR right around the time that we're going to end up doing something that's more similar to what they're used to. And maybe, I, I don't know, maybe it could just be a coincidence, but I, I like to think it's not. And I'm glad that it happened like it did because I think it, I think it worked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess let's get into it. Shane Van Gisbergen. Kyle Larson, you are not the greatest race car driver in the world. Shane Van Gisbergen is the greatest race car driver in the world right now. And I've been doing a lot of study on this man in the past couple of days. I, I don't, I don't see an argument. I definitely looked up his racing reference page and Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Who, who is this man? <laughs> like, I should have been watching supercars for a long time. I had heard of him, but I didn't, I had no clue. He was like, that he, good. he was who he was like, yeah. holy shit. This guy's good. Yeah. Like no shame in losing this dude. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Um, no, I mean, either way, the whole, the whole back and forth recently about, is this well, embarrassing? We'll talk, we'll talk about okay. it. Here yeah. We'll get there. Um, we'll get there. First win since, First driver to win in their first start since Johnny Rutherford, like 60 years ago. And that was in a fucking Daytona dual race. Oh, really? It wasn't even a yeah, point. Yeah, it was. It, well, I mean, oh, it was back it, when they counted the duels for points. Oh, okay. okay. But still, it was a Daytona dual race. And the first ro road ringer to win since Mark Donahue, um, like, I think in the 70s. So, yeah. um, it, uh, and now getting to the point of, I just want to throw those two stats out there. Is him winning embarrassing for the sport? Um, no. And hey, thank you. In my opinion, you got small dicks and a stick up your ass. If you think that, <laughs> like, yeah. if, if you think, I mean, we, like I just said, we have Kyle Larson and we, we think he's the greatest race car driver in the world. I've said it and I've said it. I've said it on this podcast. And <laughs> I mean, we expect him to go and compete anywhere and everywhere and win. We expect that we think he can win the Indy 500. We we think Kyle Larson can go to the moon and race a moon race and fucking win that shit, right? We are got our heads up our asses if we think there's not another driver of that caliber that can come and do that to us. So, I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it. I think, I think ultimately... Um, anyone coming in with that amount of experience in a car similar on a track similar yeah, and everything going for them and and conditions similar too um yeah. yeah there's absolutely no shame there's no shame at all in that and later i found out that the i didn't realize so i was always i was under the impression that like the pedals were backwards too so at the very least he didn't have to relearn how to do the pedals but shifting with your other hand has got to be weird yeah that's probably yeah. like that's that might be the most impressive thing just just i mean just the muscle memory of having to remember 
I'm not lifting. I mean, obviously you're going to hit the door, but it's just like, that's, you got to get used to that. And you ever he, drop a fry in your car and yes. you're like, you're trying to get it. And you're like, you got to put your, uh, your hand on the other side of the wheel and it just feels fucking weird. And you feel like you're going to crash. It suits over here, shifting, trying to win a fucking NASCAR race. Doing I, that. I, I have taken my right foot off the gas and switched it with my left foot to scratch oh my, my ankle before. Fuck, like, I mean, you might as well pat your stomach and rub your head or whatever, the, vice versa. I mean, it does like, you're not going to be able to do it. And yeah. It's, it's really weird. That's and, what he did the whole race. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. Dude's a, dude's an absolute freak. Um, yeah. to, to go in there and run the, what, three fastest laps of the race by yeah. a country yeah. mile or a country yeah. kilometer, mm-hmm. um, by an outback mile an outback mile. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say like at this point. Cause it's just, I've thought about it so much. And every time I come back to it, I'm like, nah, dude's just a freak. Dude is just a freak. He comes he, in there. Very, he's yeah. very, and the way he won it too. So compare yeah. that with, so I was sitting there talking to my brother this afternoon and I, I was like, let's just do the comparison. I say as a, as a whole for cup regulars, I would say, Kyle Larson, as a full, ran the best race because he didn't wreck at the end like Reddick and Bell did. So mm-hmm. I would say, as a Cup regular, he Fair. probably ran the best race. He yeah. restarts after after they shorten the race. He restarts what thirteenth, gets up to fourth. That's not bad. Here comes Big Dick Shane Van Gisbergen restarting 18th, 18th because they lost spots on the pit lane, which is expected. It's a part time crew. And comes in, passes Kyle, and then proceeds to pass everybody else and survive a, a fucking overtime, which the restart line helped, obviously, yeah. and he was just flat better than everybody. Look, we praise Dale Earnhardt for that run he made at Talladega, 18th to 1st. My man's over here just did it, and he's he he's run one race. He's run one race, and he's already within 75 wins of Dale Earnhardt. <laughs> That is a hell of a way to put it. Uh, but yeah, I dude look here, let's let's be clear. He's he's an incredible race car driver. I think he just showed the world that, or at least America that. Um and it's a sh- it's honestly a shame that it, we haven't realized that before, that his name has not been ever everyone's mouths more often. Um but Denny Hamlin, I think he said it best we were racing in his environment more than he was racing in ours in this race between yeah. the the wet weather the the street course and just the car really i mean he had the experience on that type of track he had experience with this type of car largely you know the next gen was largely based off of a of a v8 supercar in fact the very first test car for the next gen i was like that looks exactly like a va supercar um you had the single file restarts which played into the respect factor and the drivers having to race the racetrack and you know not you know be able to maybe attack each other as much as they had to learn how to attack the track um it it all it all played into into his hands and 
but that's not to take anything away from him. He had the strategy go his way as well. Um, but, well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> he had well, the strategy I mean, go I, against him. Well, he had the strategy go against him, but he also had the strategy play in his hands because he did have the best tires at the end of the race, and he had time. But the the charge he made through the field and how methodical that was, I mean, bro was playing chess and we were playing checkers. That's what that was. I mean, he had eight tenths on the fucking field. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, he he's on the wrong side of the car for fuck's sake. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but it got down to the end of it, and it was um, <laughs> at last restart. I mean, the charge he made up through the field. One, everyone in turn six became a Shane Van Gisbergen fan. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think largely because of me, because I was by far the the one loudest about it. Yes. Um, and then it gets down to it. I looked at you. I go, all right. It's this guy who married. It's this guy who's marrying a girl who has the same last name or same first name as his last name versus a three-time V8 supercar champion. Place your bets, folks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I just remember the only thing being worried about was not worried, worried. I trusted Justin to to race cleanly. I, I genuinely did. Um, but, yeah, that was like the only, the only thing I could think at that point. I was like, dude, unless someone just goes in there and just, destroys him for no reason i he's got this like dude and here's here's the thing about this is this kind of goes back to the was this embarrassing it kind of this is going to be funny bear with me it kind of goes back to the talladega nights thing where john gerard gets out of the car and says i came to america for you to beat me or whatever the fuck he said and it, it's stupid. It's a stupid comparison. But honestly, I mean, it will make our drivers better. They're good. They got all those SMT data. Yes. They're going to They're going to study the shit out of this. They're going to. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. And you're only as good as. You know, your your worst driver, in a sense. I don't know if that really makes sense of what I'm saying here, but it. It's gonna. I think it. I think it's gonna make our drivers better. At the end of the day, because you know, sometimes it takes an out. To, you know, it, you know, anytime, anytime in life, it sometimes takes an outside opinion to figure out what the result should be, or how you should move about a situation. And it took this freak of nature from fucking New Zealand to come in and kick our ass. And it's like, okay, all right, now we got some work to do. I mean, and that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I, either way, it's like nine. What nine? Like how many guys in the field even had experience on a street course at all? McDowell, Almendinger, Suarez, Suarez. That's about it, as far as I know. I can think of off the top of my head, really. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it was it was bound to happen, and and a lot of guys still ran really good races. I mean, you could argue that. Bell and Reddick threw it away. Um, oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if that's an argument. They they pretty they threw it away. 
Um, yeah. not that not to take anything away from Shane, he would have still been close, and he could have got it done. But um, yeah, they they definitely threw away their their best opportunities. Sorry. But um, I don't remember where I was going with that. But anyway, it's not like our guys went in there and ran poorly. Realistically, no, no they just we got were... beat. And there, yeah, I don't think sh- there's anything wrong with that. No, there's no shame in it. Um, he gets out of the car and he says he's got one year, one more year in Oz, and then he might want to come over and race NASCAR. Um, obviously, heat of the moment, you just won <laughs> your first ever NASCAR race um, that you've ever competed in. Um, but I'd love to, I'd love to have him come over. I mean, he's 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 a four ten sprint car winner. Yep. I mean. And one of the greatest V8 supercar drivers ever, and one of the other greatest V8 supercar drivers ever, Jamie Wincup, gave his blessing to, if he wants to come do NASCAR next year, he will let him out of his contract and let him go do it. So that'd be fucking cool. Um, Also, Shane Van Gisbergen is in the All-Star race. So that is true? He is in the All-Star race? He... He won a fucking race. Well, I don't I don't know what the rules are anymore. Like you have to be no, it's, full time. No, or... He no, you're no, you're you win a race, know. you're in the all-star race. Okay. Like so they, whether he runs next year or not full time, they, they, they better, better make that happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean that so he's gonna get some of experience. He's gonna run Wilkesboro, hopefully Wilkesboro next year. Or Charlotte. Um, or yeah. Wilkesboro is gonna be a points race next year. That's true. Um, the same car Suarez used to win at Sonoma. It's obviously a good car. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It just overall, it's a cool. It's just a good story. Like you could try to spin it whatever way you want. It's just a cool story, and yeah. you know, it it give. I don't think who was Chase Elliott said it's he's going to go back to Australia or yeah australia and say you know god we suck or god those guys suck i don't think that's gonna happen i think he's gonna i think he realizes like okay these guys are pretty these guys are pretty damn good i'm better but (laughs) these guys are pretty damn good um well and he's not dumb either he knows that everyone there was green on these these type of tracks like it's it yeah he's at the, the day, th- about it. <laughs> at the end of the day, I think it'll bring eyes to NASCAR and it'll bring eyes to V8 supercars. I think it was best. It was best for both worlds. V8 supercars, fucking awesome, too. If yeah, you've I, ever need, watched them. I need to be watching. Yeah, I need to be watching that. Um, and it'd be really cool if NASCAR could go over there and run some V8 supercars. NASCAR drivers could run, yeah, some V8 supercars. Um, but they can't. Because uh, they don't have super license. Oh, you need a super license to run those? Apparently. I, w- I watched the, I, I think, okay, I watched the Instagram reel of Paul Morris. I did no research on this. So this could be wrong. But Paul Morris made it sound like uh, they, um, NASCAR drivers don't have a super license and they can't run V8 supercars. He was very, he was very uh, bullish about it. He was very coy about it i don't i don't know if i'm using those words in the right way um but um yeah so can we fix that please because <laughs> i'd like to see this happen um good luck getting the fia to budge on anything ever 
Yeah, right. Um, and it kind of it. I think it sends a message like to road ringers that like, oh shit, I could come in there and win. You probably can't, but <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna bring more people to the. Uh, yeah, I definitely like to think there's a bunch of guys who are a, like there. There's a carrot out there mm. now. You know, it was you know okay, Kimi Räikkönen ran 18th. Jensen Button, gotta give a call to him. He ran a great race too. Um, yep. I think he got caught by strategy, but he he was very fast, um, which is is really cool to see because you. I think that's a more accurate comparison. Well, what's the strategy? He spun out entering the pits. Oh, that's right. He did. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a more apt comparison to Kimi Raikkonen than Shane Van Gisbergen is. And I think Jensen ultimately did a better job than Kimi did. Um, Kamui Kobayashi. That's where I was going. Um, why even show up, man? <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, at this point, you you might as well try it. Yeah. I, Kamui's a hell of a driver too. Yeah, I mean, we all he's 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 like the Dodge Ram of like sports car racing. <laughs> uh, I'll take I'll take your word for it. I don't follow you know the sports meme, car. You know the meme where it's like the Dodge Ram behind you is just on your ass, bright light. Yeah, uh, brights on. Yeah, it's Kamui Kobayashi. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I feel like him going to Indy makes it less likely that anything good will happen for him, uh, just because the way they run there. Now, if he has single file restarts, we had single file restarts. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do want to know your Project Ninety One wish list, but we have a question about that later, so we'll get into that. Okay. Um, Trackhouse Racing, obviously Project Ninety One what Shane Van Gisbergen is running for. Um, 75 years in NASCAR history, Trackhouse has created two of the most memorable moments ever in the sport. Just 10 months. Yeah. And also it's produced three first-time winners from three different countries. That's that's really cool. God damn. <laughs> and then this thing just fell down. Um I mean, the Hail Melon and then Shane Van Gisbergen. I mean, Justin Marks is changing NASCAR. And I don't, I don't know. When, when, that, when Trackhouse was announced back in 2020, I guess at the end of 2020, I thought, honestly, I kind of thought it might be one of those teams that gets announced and then would never cease the track. You and did. I assume, was I, I assume. fucking wrong. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I assumed they would at least see the track. I didn't think they'd do anything. But. No, I didn't think they'd do anything at all. Um, I thought Daniel Suarez's career was dead in the water, uh, but he claimed it to be his best opportunity ever, and it's clearly proven that, and it's proven that for Ross Chastain. And I don't know if it's the best opportunity ever for Shane Van Gisbergen. Seems like he's doing pretty good over there. Australia but it was a hell of an opportunity for him um and just I mean just Justin Marks in general just I mean nothing there's nothing you could say about him that hadn't been said already and you know 
everyone thinks the world of him, and rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, absolute visionary. I mean, we haven't seen this in Cup maybe ever. Yeah. Um, and, and to to put the plan in action so quickly, because I mean, you remember that first year he was very vocal about it's not about the result, it's about the process. Yeah. And in by the next year, you could already see the fruit of that labor. Two and a half years ago, they they hadn't even hit the track yet. Yeah. And here we are, and they've revolutionized the sport. Yeah. I mean, I when they announced Project 91, I kind of thought, okay, that's cool. I mean, I won't ever do anything, but that's cool. And, yeah, here we are. I mean, he got the best driver for this race. Like, yeah. 100%. I guess he could have... Uh, 9,000 IQ. Yeah, I mean, I guess he could have gotten right a, one or two other supercar drivers to maybe do it, according to Shane and according to Austin Sinner. 10, apparently. Yeah, he said 10, and then Sinner added McLaughlin. So uh, I guess we'll say there were 12 guys he could have he could have gotten for it, in yeah. theory. Um, but yeah, clearly made made a great call there. Um, I don't think any any anybody outside those maybe 10 guys does this um i'm still kind of surprised he did it <laughs> just because i mean think uh, yeah. about it think about it they've run what three races with that car four yeah three three um that's insane <laughs> really realistically that's crazy um no matter who you have behind the wheel realistically like that's still just crazy to be able to actually have enough good communication well, between put it driver in perspective, and crew. Remember how shocked we were when AJ Allmendinger won that cup race at Indianapolis for colleague. Yeah, that's true. But AJ has been was, around the cup series. A well, lot that's longer. what I'm saying. He's yeah. been around the cup series forever. That team was established a little bit more and it took an absolute shit show of a race for him to get in that position to win. And then you compare that to this and it just it, it should put it in perspective for people how incredible this this is for from a team aspect as well. Yeah, no, um, no doubt. Um, Shane Van Gisbergen, welcome to the playoffs. Um, <laughs> no, I mean I've had a lot of guys breathe a big sigh of relief because I think a lot of people thought maybe a surprise winner would come out of here, and um, I mean it did. It but did. Just no one that affects the playoffs, obviously. Um, um, I, I just remember sitting there thinking for a little while when Chase Elliott was putting up a fight. I'm like, Chase, you should let him go. You're not going to win the race. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Justin Haley was looking real good there for a minute. Yeah. But uh, I'll, I'll just never forget trying to figure out how the gap would be and watching him come off of turn 12 and realizing that Shane Van Gisbergen was going to pass him. It's like, I dude, I was sitting there. I was like, I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to jinx him. Yeah. But like, I was like, Shane Van Gisbergen is going to win this fucking race. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Um, when he got by, I think it was Kyle Bush and he closed that gap in like three corners. It was like, it was on at that point. I'm like, oh my God, this is actually yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's all I had on the whole SVG. The, uh, Say it with me, Shane Van, Van Gisbergen. Yeah. It's not that hard. Not that hard. I mean, not I kind of screwed it up all Sunday, but 
my brain sees that name and thinks there's an extra in there for some reason because there there is like in german or austrian there's giesenberg giesenbergen i've seen so that's what my brain saw um but yeah i i've got it now i've got it down pat now <laughs> um okay <laughs> now um, you know thank you um turn six is where we were sitting um sponsorship Bandit. works for sure we know that no gregson wrecked a lot in front of us um and we definitely went and got baconators after the race so <laughs> that's what i'm gonna take from that uh yeah noah got noah got him a hat trick in turn three he did or six sorry throw my hat i was yeah gonna do it uh in his defense the first one was definitely not his fault the other two absolutely were i can't believe he got stuck twice that was hysterical um yeah i was honestly surprised i everyone got or uh, at how many guys got stuck there i thought that was interesting but see the problem was is i was surprised when kyle bush got stuck just because the porter john was right there and i didn't realize how far he'd gone into the tire barrier oh yeah yeah he put that song bitch windshield deep <laughs> yeah which that slow-mo shot is probably the greatest thing i've ever seen it's yeah. fantastic uh the water the, yeah when when uh bell wrecked and turned one we all got splashed with that water that was hilarious no i want bells truex oh truex yeah okay whichever it um yeah that was awesome yeah <laughs> um i, that I love that going. i love that the entire yeah the entire <laughs> crowd cheered when truex wrecked in turn one and we got splashed with water um i was cheering because because truex wrecked um because he took out harvick because you know martin truex is a world-class road racer not um and dude that's some that pissed me off that pissed me off to no end like dude come on you're one of the best road racers in the field why are you pulling something so stupid he drove like a fucking jackass the entire race and they wrecked and for some reason we were excited that we got even wetter than we already were but uh we were already soaked so it didn't yeah, matter at that point i guess yeah uh but yeah back to turn six um that was obviously the most treacherous part of the racetrack um and it it kept the guy it kept the guys honest not only in the dry and not only in the wet but in the dry as well and that's cool to see yeah, yeah. i mean i mean we should have kind of known it was going to be like that just because there's a big there's a big transition there uh big bump there's a big bump yeah the guys not so, even a bump it's a dip yeah um guys like shane van gisbergen kyle larson and like bell and reddick they got through their a lot cleaner than a lot of guys a lot of guys you had, were to, just you had to hit it off. right yeah a lot yeah. of guys were just ramping off that not ramping off of it but ramping i guess into it um and just slamming the car down like i can't imagine that they can use those, those diffusers again um, yeah i don't know that for a fact but just seemed like it they they were just reminds me of the roval in 2018 when people talked about one of a guy you worked with used to work at Gibbs. He said they just trashed all them chassis because they were just so destroyed. Yeah, so he's. I would imagine that's what the underbodies were. I I would imagine, but yeah, with the the Roval thing, he said that, and I would had remembered that like Kyle Busch had destroyed his car or whatever, and I was like, oh yeah, a few, a few of you guys wrecked. He goes, no no no, the ones that finished 
fine. We had to junk those. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, which, and you don't want to see destroyed race cars, but if it means the track is just challenging and just overall challenging in all aspects from driver to car to team, that's what you want to see. And yeah. Um, turn six was uh, the hot spot for sure. Um, <laughs> Mike Bagley had a busy day. Yeah, he did. He did. That was. I would imagine Moody did too, but I know for sure Mike Bagley did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and largely because of turn six, the race ended up getting shortened. Um, one, the start time. Um, obviously, we were delayed because of rain. But that we started only about 15 or 20 minutes after the original start time was supposed to be before they moved it up on Saturday. Yeah. So that's bad. Um, and then they kind of, they called it at the time. I was like, they called it early enough to where I felt like this was a good call. It was pretty clear that we weren't going to get the whole race in because of darkness. Um, but obviously, if you've listened to any other podcast or any other NASCAR show, you kind of you, they did kind of screw a bunch of guys because you got to give it enough time to let strategy play out. That's true, but also Kyle Busch, Randall Burnett, they're big brains, and um, they kind of they did the math themselves. Like it's up to you to you know account for every variable. And some guys did, and some guys didn't. And Christopher Bell claims he got fucked by NASCAR, and I, I, I don't agree. He got he fucked himself. Everybody that was, so I mean, yeah. Look, you look at it. You gotta look at it. Yeah, you want to give the teams enough time to play out their strategy, how they're want to play it out given the amount of laps that it's going to be but it was pretty clear early on in that race if you would have been paying attention which we weren't we were having a good time but you know if you're you're a crew member or a crew chief you should kind of pay attention hmm when sunset hmm this race is hour and however long in we've done 30 laps and we got that amount of time till sunset maybe we should start planning for this race to get shortened. And they didn't, and they lost, and they didn't have to lose either because the guy who won was on their strategy too. But Christopher Bell blew his head off his shoulders and wrecked. So, I mean, I don't feel bad for the guy or anybody that was that feels like they were screwed by that strategy. I don't – I don't – yeah, I don't feel bad either because, like... It's beginning least, of the day. Look at your phone. You know what time sunset is. We definitely... Yeah, obviously, we saw the 91 go through. We saw the 5 get most of the way through. Um, the the only, <clears throat> the only issue I have is that NASCAR is as never... As rarely been up on this, like, from the beginning. They usually wait till it's, like dark and then go okay we got five laps to go yeah um 
so I think the only issue is you didn't know how long they were actually going to go. And, and yes, and I feel like the problem, the problem I have is, is if you are the leader and you're on your strategy, switching to that strategy feels in the moment like it is, it is, it could be a problem. Guys like Kyle Bush who are running dead ass fucking last had nothing to lose by switching to, to a new strategy um and chase elliott and and justin haley they were all running way in the back they had literally nothing to lose by switching strategies and it it definitely feels like if you're the leader it's hard to make that strategy change before you hear that they've shortened the race and that was that was a significant shortage which we ended up having a little bit of wiggle room in so you didn't know at that point if we were going to I mean, in theory, we could have probably run scheduled 80, 82 something laps. Maybe it would have been tight. But so it was right. It was right on that cusp of. Could we even make it here? When are we actually going to end this race? Yeah. I don't know. I I think ultimately the right call. I heard it on DVC. They said. They should have said at the beginning of the race, because, you know, without cautions, judging lap time and the lap times being slower because of the rain, that we're probably not going to get this whole race in. So they should have said at the beginning, look, 100 laps or 820 or whatever, whatever comes first. That would have been the right call. But... At the end of the day, I mean, I don't think it's I think this is kind of getting blown out of proportion at how big a deal it was. Like, I don't I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man, it it kind of goes to it, it goes to when, you know, when it's going to rain. You know, when we have a possible, you know, rainstorm coming like. You don't know when the race is going to end. And so you kind of have to judge your strategy. This, you at least have some sort of idea of when the race is going to end. It's either going to be 100 laps or, you know, well, 75 or sunset. Play to that. So I don't know. It just seems like there was an oversight and NASCAR is getting a lot more flack than I feel like they deserve for it. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think NASCAR made a much better call than they have in the past when we've had this problem. Um, Obviously, New Hampshire is the big one where they just kind of waited around and told everyone 10 to go, which, yeah. yeah. Um, Um, So this was definitely a better better call than that, for sure. The green-white checkered was fucking dumb. Yeah, I I didn't understand how you can shorten a race, and it was, like, dark at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't understand how you could shorten a race and then wait till it gets dark or it gets dark. Not hair like we could see. Yeah, but it was I mean, it was on the ragged edge. Like we would have not done more than that one. I don't. Think. Yeah. Which mm, now that I think about it. We did say this in the moment, too. We did have a few extra minutes that we didn't think we were going to have yeah. with before sunset technically and it did get a little bit lighter at the end the sun peeked through as it was setting um 
I don't know. Maybe I take that back. It it wasn't. It was a, a interesting decision to run a green white checkered, but I guess maybe I guess in theory it wasn't as dumb as maybe I thought it was. Yeah, I mean, it turned out we had enough time. It was yeah, just it was fine. we would have definitely not been able to do any more than that one. Yeah. Um. Overall, I mean, I thought it was a, a huge success. I mean, it it went from this is going to be the greatest weekend ever to this is an absolute disaster. And then the fact that a okay race would not have saved this event. But this event was saved because we had an absolute fantastic race overall in every way, shape, and form. This was a fantastic race. And it I think it saved the fate of this race, or at least gave it a more of a fighting chance to come back this on the schedule. Yeah. No, I think I think you're hundred percent right. Yeah. And I would love I would love an opportunity for this to go without it being a mess yeah exactly um and also you can't really give it too much flack because uh daytona and road america can't hold a candle to this daytona i mean it <laughs> rains all the time there um so i mean and they don't they people want to talk about chicago not wanting us now they don't want us in general allegedly i don't know i'm not getting too much into the politics of it because I'm, I'm just not smart enough really but Daytona also doesn't want us on Fourth of July weekend because yeah. it's more beneficial for them to not have it on Fourth of July weekend. Um, and then Road America just this is light years better of a race than Road America was or ever has been. So middle finger to them. Road America is a great racetrack. I'm not convinced. I just said I'm at the mid. It's not. It's a great racetrack. It's just not a great cup racetrack. It's mid. Okay. I mean, you could be. It's mid for cup. Uh, You're you're right. It's not a great. It's not a great cup racetrack. Caution laps just take way too long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it it's unfortunate that it didn't work for cup, but this did really well. It did. It worked really well, and everyone called me an idiot, and said I was wrong and said we're dumb for going here and said that road america was better and that the fan turnout was going to be better the race was going to be better everything was going to be better and it just simply was fucking not the fan turnout was fantastic even after the monsoon i was shocked at how many fucking people were there after that there was just as many people maybe not quite just as many but it seemed like very close number of of people that there were Saturday and there was a fuck ton of people there. There's just a fuck ton of people there the entire weekend. And so, I mean, every way, shape or form, this was the right decision to come here. Yeah. I mean, you did, we did not think the race was going to be very good. That was a surprise that. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that, now looking back on it, I think that was also an oversight on our part just because we didn't, one, we didn't know the layout of the track like actually on the ground level. Um, 
and that obviously helped a lot. So I think that was a bit of an oversight in our our part. But like I've been saying all along, give it a chance. Like it was a street race. We've never done it before. There's no reason why we shouldn't at least try it. I know Seth, we have done it before because the beach course was technically our street course. We haven't done it in a long time and on a full road course or whatever technicalities you want to put on. There's no reason why we shouldn't at least try it. And here we go. We tried it and it was a fucking success. Just shut the hell up. I will disappear after this podcast. Yeah, I've been waiting. I wanted on to it. come. Yeah, I wanted to. Yeah, we talked last week about how I was just going to, you know, uh, I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark, out of out of here once um, the race was over. Um, but I, I wanted to come here and share my opinion and get that one last uh, one last jab at Road America. Yeah, your your hate boner for Road America is just obnoxious. Well, I mean, dude, somebody's got to counteract all the fucking unwarranted love for that place. For what do you mean? Cars. During the whole race, both years, everyone just bitched about it. So no, I don't, all I heard was how great it was. I anyway, liked it. I don't I, really Road America know was anyone never, else. Road America was ne- you didn't go to Road America and give that get that big event feel. You got a okay, cool. The fan turnout was great. Well, how do you know, you, know you didn't go. It just seemed like people who watched at home, watched this race at home, they felt like it was a big event. Road America never felt like a big event. It always kind of felt a little bit out of place on the cup schedule for me. I mean, it was maybe, maybe. I don't know if it felt out of, like for me, I don't think it felt out of place. I just think it was, it was just a, it was just a normal race. It just wasn't special, which is fine. Yeah, and that doesn't and now bother we have me. something special. No, no. But now we have something special. This yes. could be a crown jewel event if you really think about it. The street race, wherever it is, it could it because I mean, just the amount of people you're in front of and the market you're in front of, you're not gonna get that at Road America. I'm sorry. Well, and the amount of drivers it can bring in now, too. Exactly. After they've seen it. So mm-hmm. yeah. So um i have a quote here from the mayor of chicago um he said we are grateful despite the extreme weather that nascar was able to deliver with very minimal disruption like everything that i inherited i will assess it and grade it in an open process um those are a lot of big words but that doesn't say anything. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think uh, I think the mayor was hellbent against it, and I think maybe there's a chance that he comes around. I think the likelihood is significantly higher now. Yes. Um, significantly from what felt like zero. So I don't know where we're at with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think one the community rallied behind it. Everyone had a great time with it. That was in Chicago. And also, it's very, like I said before, it's very important for NASCAR to build a fan base in in a market like this before they take the race away. And so I think it's, it's a great, not gimmick for Chicago, but a great, just a great 
event for the city, but it's not necessary. It's not necessary, I guess, for the yeah. city. But for NASCAR, it's very necessary that we stay here at least a couple of years. Um, but it is important that wherever we take the street race, that we are wanted and that, you know, NASCAR, if NASCAR is going to come spend all this money that and bring people from, you know, all over the country and really the world to your city, that maybe you should want us back. Just saying. Yep. Um, and then Steve O'Donnell said, we could take the Cup Series anywhere we want. The race we put on today would sell and be embraced globally. I think that's true. That is 100% true. Yeah. Um, I'll ask this question. Where um, where do you think we should go next? Uh, I say we swing for the fences and go for New York. <clears throat> yeah, I think that or um, that or we go somewhere overseas like London or like even like Tokyo, that'd be fucking cool. Mm, yeah, that would be cool. That would that'd be. be really fucking cool. Um, and Japan, I mean, we saw the the turnout we had back in you know the late nineties with Japan. I think, yeah, that's my answer. Tokyo. Okay. Um, I it, the, the end goal is to have cities envy Chicago and what they have right now. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully that'll come from it. Yeah, I mean, we'll just we'll just have to see what their plan because I mean, clearly they want to do overseas at some point. Um, really, just getting the logistics involved mm -hmm. or getting the logistics figured out for that is the only hurdle. And I mean, I think as soon as they get it figured out and get a plan in place, they'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Anything else? No, not really. Um, I just want to say how fucking cool it was to go to Chicago. Obviously, I've lived there all my life. <laughs> not not even true. I lived there for a very brief uh, period of time when I was younger. Um, lived outside of Chicago, but spent a lot of time in the actual city. And it it's a city I, I fell in love with when I was living there and living up there in that area um and i went to chicago land once for qualifying and that was cool but to have a race in downtown chicago it was just the coolest thing in the world going back there and being like oh yeah i remember walking here as a kid i remember this when i was younger you know getting to do all the things in downtown chicago and then going back to to wheaton illinois where i used to live and it was it was very personal for me when they started talking about the street race. It, it, I don't know. It was very, like I said, it just very personal, very sentimental to me that we race in this city and getting to go there and experience it. The emotional roller coaster that it was, it just, the fact that we saw the race that we saw, just it meant it just meant the world to me 
at least. I don't know. You could, whatever anybody can say, whatever else they want. It meant the world to me to see see that happen, and I'm just glad that I got to do it. Yeah, I I'd only been to Chicago once, and it was when I was like seven. So um, it was cool to see it again as an adult. And it actually was a really cool city. Uh, I'd never been much for cities just in general. They're all, my perspective of it was that they're all obnoxious and everyone there is annoying. And that wasn't the case at all. And I, I genuinely enjoyed it. And if we run this again next year, I'll definitely be, definitely be wanting to go. Um, that being said, go fuck yourself. Oh, wait, hold on. Soldier has dumbass. We're not done. God, dude, I forget how this damn show works every week. Um, I don't know how. We're almost at a hundred. We are. Which is um, kind of a technicality, because don't you count the Q&A separate as a different episode? Yeah. It's not really. Okay. It's like wow. a point five. Oh, well. Anyway, you picked Chase Elliott, and I picked Ty Gibbs, and that was the thing that ticked me off most about them shortening the race is it played right into the hands of Chase Elliott and really chipped me out of winning the picks. I had this shit in the bag. Chuck wrecked in fucking practice. He he wrecked in the race, and the son of a bitch in his damn fucking spy-versus-spy-looking ass car ends up beating Ty Gibbs, who drove a very respectable race. I'll take I'm it. Pissed. I don't even know where we're going next week. Going to Atlanta. Oh yeah, that's right. Dumbass. I'm gonna be there. Shit. Yeah. Um. Who are you picking I, for Atlanta? Uh, I'm gonna go with Daniel Suarez completing the hat trick for Trackhouse. Um. He needs to get. He needs to get something going. He is the only track house driver that hasn't won this year. Well, okay, Kimmy didn't win, but we're not going to count. We're going to ignore that for now. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Daniel. Um, hmm. I'm going to go with... Damn. I'm gonna go okay. with Justin Haley. Justin Haley. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I like I like Justin Haley for this. Okay. Um, who's your sundress? Who's your dumbass? Sundress is obviously Shane Van Gisbergen. Um, dumbass is Noah Hattrick Gregson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um my sundress is, yeah, I mean, it's hard not to give it to Shane Van Gisbergen. Um, so, yeah, I'll just, I'll just, you can just have that too. Um, my dumbass, oh, man. Noah's, it's an easy one. Um, But I'm going to go with William Byron because he caused he he made us look the dumbest in this whole situation. He he 
fucking wrecked and caused that big wreck that blocked the track, blocked most of the track. And then Kevin Harvick with this thousand IQ move blocked the track fully. Um, and it was all William Byron's fault. Him and Dylan can have co dumbassmanship this week because Austin Dillon, they said he was the most improved road racer in NASCAR. And the next turn, he went in there and wrecked himself. So I feel like, honestly, those, I feel like those two are less deserving of dumbass than Tyler Reddick and Christopher Bell because they threw away race winning cars. So did Austin Dillon. And no, he moment. didn't. And that, I mean, he was going for the race win. It wasn't going to happen. I don't know, man. He was, he was getting there, and then he didn't. Look, I don't. I choose to not believe that Austin Dillon has ever won a race. Martin Truex Jr. can also have part of it, too. Bubba Wallace kind of destroyed Ricky Stenhouse Jr. for, like, nothing there. Like, that was really bad. Like, he completely missed the corner. So it's settled. William Byron, dumbass of the week. Uh, right. That's been the show. Um, as I said before, get fucked yourself. He's been Buddy Pulley. I've been Seth Dolby. He's been dumbass. He's been... He's been Buddy Pulley. He's going to Thanos disappear um, here in a moment. And uh, we'll never see him again. Maybe. Except in the Q&A. Except in the Q&A. And next so week. Let's do that. And the week All right, after cool. that. All right.